Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I am presenting a series of broadcasts on the subject of the will of God, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining the most important fundamental of understanding that the will of God is the description of the inheritance that we have received as a result of his death. This is described in Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 15. This is Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 17, where it says, And for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. And so I have been describing the will of God in this context, in the context of what we have already received. In most cases, Christians are devoting a significant amount of their time and life experience to trying to obtain from God, most of which he never came to give, and the rest, of course, that they have no idea he already gave to them. And so I've been describing the subject in this context. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining the importance of understanding what salvation is, that it is the restoration of the life of God that had been lost in Adam. And given that, we have received our God. He has actually given himself to us. In most cases, people are looking for their God to give them more flour in their kneading bowl. They're looking for more wealth. They're looking perhaps for a better house or a better spouse or maybe even a better mouse. People are looking for many things, and in most cases, they are asking their God to give them what he never came to give, and they are rejecting what he did come to give, and in fact, if they are born again of the Spirit of God, they are rejecting in many cases, in many ways, what they have already been given by their God. The most important thing to understand is that he has given himself, that this is not about him giving you things to bless your flesh. This is about him giving himself to you in order to meet the very deepest needs of your spirit, the very deepest needs of who you are as a person. He didn't save you, provide you with salvation for the purpose of benefiting your flesh. That's not really the reason why, although in many cases he will. I certainly will not deny that. And I certainly encourage you to appreciate that when you do experience it in your life. But the most important thing that you need to understand and that you need to ensure that you do not neglect is the reality that you have him, that he has given himself to you. And do not underestimate the significance of that. As a review for the life of God that has been given, consider 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. This is 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, where he said, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the important aspect of your relationship, that which establishes it, and that is the restoration of the Holy Spirit, the very life of God that is dwelling within you. 
Now, the implications of this is very far-reaching. For example, consider the fact that many people are pursuing justification. Many people are wanting to be justified in their life experience and the decisions that they make, and in reality, we never will. Just because we are sinful beings, we will commit sin and we will do things that are definitely contrary to what the Lord our God would want us to do on the basis of how he created us, why he created us, and what he made us for. And so in many cases, people are pursuing justification. But this is something that you already have as a result of what he has done for you. This is described in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have already been justified because of your response to the truth that has been revealed to you. Your justification by faith is by faith. It is your response. It is according to your response to the truth that he has already resolved the sin issue and that it is no longer an issue between you and your God. It is completely over. You have justification with him. You therefore have peace with him. These are things that you have. You already have this. And so if you do not feel, if you do not believe that you have peace with God, it's simply because you're believing things that are not true. This is the truth. Consider Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10. This is Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. By that will. What will? By the will that was described in chapter 9, the chapter before chapter 10 in Hebrews. This is the will of God by his inheritance, by what he has done. You have been sanctified. There are many people, many Christians in Christianity today, many churches that have existed for hundreds of years that have been teaching people that they are not sanctified, that they do not have sanctification that this is something that they are to pursue, that this is something that they are to grow in. And if they do that, then perhaps once they reach a certain level or a certain degree of sanctification, maybe then they'll be saved. These are the kinds of things that are being taught in Christianity today by many denominations who have huge numbers of people, huge numbers of people following this, believing this, engaged in this, trying to live a life that they will never be able to live. Because what that means is, is it means that your sanctification is acquired through your success in no longer sinning. That's really what that means. This means that you are to now go and try to live a life that you cannot, a life of no longer sinning. This is something that we will never be able to do. We simply were not made that way. We were not made for the purpose of trying to live our life of avoiding sin. We were made for the purpose of resting and trusting and relying on the love, acceptance, and understanding and the purpose that we are given through the directive relationship of the living God and dwelling within us and actively participating in our daily lives. That's how we were made. And so people are trying to live a life that they cannot, will not, never will, hoping that they eventually find some way to do it with hopes that they can do it before they actually physically die. Otherwise, they'll never be sanctified and they can never be saved. This is how people live. And it's very disturbing for me and certainly for them because this is a wasted life. Trying to live a life that you never will is what I would consider to be a relatively wasted life. You have been sanctified. You have already been set apart 
for the purpose that your God has made you, if you have been born again of the Spirit of God. And that purpose is not to try to live a life without sin. That purpose is to live a life of trust and dependency on what your God has already given to you. In the previous broadcast, I was explaining this in the context of acceptance. Many people commit sins out of their pursuit to try to obtain acceptance from others. That is what fundamentally drives many people to commit the sins that they commit. And so instead of trying to keep them or stop them from committing those sins, deal with the root issue. The root issue is a person's desire for a need to be accepted. If a person is completely accepted by their God, if we will rest and trust in the acceptance that we have already received from our God, if we will do that, then it will fulfill the deepest needs of our very being, which will then lead us in our daily lives in a different way. And so instead of living our lives in the pursuit of sin, we will then be living our lives on the basis of the acceptance we have already received to go out and share with others what we have as opposed to trying to obtain from others what we hope to get from them. And this is only possible through the understanding of what you already have in Christ Jesus. What you have because of what he has given to you, not because of what you thought you managed to obtain, but because of what he has freely given to you as a result of his death and as a result of his resurrection, as a result of the invocation of the will of God for your life. That's what that means. It means that you are to grow in your relationship with God on the basis of what you have already been given, not on the basis of what you think you're going to do in order to obtain something from him, what he quite likely never came to give, and it is also ignoring what he did come to give in many cases. And so please understand this. This is the concept of the will of God that is ignored, that is completely unknown in most circles of influence of Christianity today. Completely unknown. You have the mercy of God. Consider Romans chapter 11, verse 30. This is Romans chapter 11, verse 30. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. He was referring to the rejection of the Messiah by the nation of Israel, that through their disobedience, their unbelief in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, the Gentiles have received mercy, have received mercy from God. Consider also 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 10. This is 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 10. Who once were not a people but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. You have the mercy of God. And this was obtained by receiving the free gift of the life of God that will remain within you eternally. The free gift of eternal life. You have received grace. This is described well in Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. You have received access to him. Understand that you have access to your God. Not everyone has access to their God. Everyone has access to the free gift of life. But if they do not receive that, then they do not have their God. They do not have access to him. And what does that imply? They do not experience and will not experience his love for them, his acceptance for them. They will have no opportunity to understand the true depths of the meaning of life, 
the meaning of circumstances and situations that we engage in in our life experience. You have no opportunity to experience the true purpose for which your God has created you. You experience this through having access to him, and you have access to him because of what he has done for you, because of what he has given to you. Consider Romans chapter 5, verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You have access by faith. Your faith is your response to the truth that he has revealed to you. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, this is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Don't underestimate the power of this. Don't underestimate it because we have been created for the purpose of having access to our God. You were created for the purpose of being able to reach out to your God and receive what he has for you. You were created to have understanding and meaning in your life experience as it would be defined and revealed through your relationship with your God. A relationship in the context of you listening to Him, Him listening to you, the two of you experiencing your life together, interacting with the world around you, Him being involved with what you are doing, You being involved with what he is doing, that is a dynamic living experience that you will have on a daily basis through the presence of your God indwelling within you. Walking where you walk, seeing what you see, he will hear what you hear, he will speak with your mouth, he will touch with your hands. That is a living interactive experience and do not underestimate the reality of him speaking to you in the quiet voice that he has deep within your being, revealing to you the reality of what he sees through your eyes, of what he hears through your ears, of what you experience as he experiences it, so that you can grow in your understanding of the world around you. You can see the dynamic purposes that he has with others, with you, and with the integrated experience that we all have collectively in this world that we are presently living in, and yet only for a short period of time. This is possible because of the inheritance that he has given to you. It is possible because of the invocation of his will. We have also been set free from sin. We have been set free from sin not just because of his fulfilling the deepest needs that we have so that we don't go out and try to have our needs met in the world and in that way we tend to sin. Sin can be expressed as a person's pursuit of trying to obtain love, acceptance, meaning and purpose in their lives outside of the fulfilling relationship that we are to experience with our creator who indwells within us. Sin can be expressed in that way, but it is also something that we have been set free from because it is defined on the basis of law. The law says that if you violate a certain law, then you will have sinned. Now, because Jesus died for our sins in the context of the law by fulfilling the penalty of the law, in that way we have been set free from the law, and so there is no sin that is being held against us. In other words, the law demanded obedience or death. 
the Lord Jesus actually took both options. He obeyed the law himself, and he took death for us. He died on our behalf. So there is no law that is being held against us in that context, in the sense that we are to live in obedience to it, because he has already died for our disobedience to it. In that sense, we have been set free from the demands of the law. And this is very important, because if we are not set free from the demands of the law, we're going to be preoccupied with the demands of the law and not have opportunity to be preoccupied with the interactive relationship that we have with our God. You cannot live in relationship with the law and with your God at the same time simultaneously. It doesn't work that way. If you try to live a life in preoccupation with the law, you're going to find yourself by default living a life in preoccupation with yourself, trying to ensure that you live in obedience and never get around to experiencing what the Lord your God has already given to you. So we have, in accordance with his death, in accordance with his will, we have been set free from the law. We have been set free from sin. This is described in Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. In Romans chapter 7, verse 6. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. This is Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty for an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You see, it's easy for people to perceive the freedom that we have in that context. Oh, I've been set free from the law. I've been set free from the sin. And so now I can go out and just live like the devil and indulge my flesh. But that's not why he did that. He did that for the purpose of being able to accept you perfectly. He did that for the purpose of being able to love you perfectly so that he could meet the true deepest needs that you have, that you were created to have, that he created you to have met only by him. He created you for the purpose of meeting your needs. And you are to pursue Him. You are to rest and trust in Him, in what He has given to you. And you are to rely on that. And in that way, you are to live. In that way, you will live as He desires you to live. Living a life on the basis of what you have been given, not on the basis of what you are trying to obtain. That is a completely different way of life that I'm describing here for you that is only possible. It is only going to be possible to experience this if you understand what you have been given. All of these things that I have described are things that you have already been given if you are in Christ Jesus. If you have been saved, if you have been born again of the Spirit, these are the things that you already have, and you must appropriate them. And the only way that you are going to be able to appropriate them is to believe that they have been given to you. Trust in the truth that they have been given to you and live your daily life in accordance with the reality that you already have these things. If you will not believe, then there is no other way. You must believe the truth. Otherwise, you are calling your God a liar. Don't do that. Believe in what he has said. Trust in what he has said and experience the reality of it. 
It is when you experience the reality of the truth that he reveals to you, it is then that you will understand. It is then that you will know the love of God that surpasses understanding. It is then when you will understand a life that you have in context of him and in the perspective of what he sees and what he understands, what he perceives and what he sees and what he is doing, that is the only way that you will be able to appreciate the reality of your God. And when you do, there will be peace in such a way that it cannot even be described. To experience the true peace of God is a revelation that can only be realized when you live in accordance with what you have been given by His will, according to His will, that you have been given in your inheritance that you have already received, that of your God Himself being given to you. And having peace with Him and living your life with the peace that you have is an experience that is well beyond anything that could be described in the words that we have at our disposal. Consider Romans chapter 3 verse 17. And the way of peace they have not known. They have not known, but you now know. You have the way of peace. This has been given to you already. If you are not experiencing the way of peace, it is because you don't know what you have. You are not living in accordance with what you have. You are not walking in his ways. His ways are not your ways. His ways are on the basis of what he has freely given to you already as a result of what he has done. His ways are not about you trying to live in a certain way to get something from him, but you are to live on the basis of what he has already given to you. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have peace with your God, you will have peace in the world that He has created because of Him, because of your experience with Him. There is no way to really describe this in words. I can only say that this is a peace that surpasses understanding, and yet it is within your grasp. It is right there. You have the way. You have the peace. It is there for you. The only thing that could possibly prevent you from experiencing it is your lack of trust, is your lack of belief. That is the only thing that could prevent you from experiencing the peace, the perfect peace that your God has for you. If you think the will of God is for you to figure out what He wants you to do about the circumstances in your life, you will completely miss out on what he wants you to have and bring with you into your circumstances in life. And what he wants you to have is himself. He wants to go with you, be with you, within you, and be a part of who you are and what you are doing. It is in the midst of your life that he will live his life with you and through you, revealing himself in small ways to the world you both participate in. Otherwise, you will never be at peace. Understand that. You will never be at peace. You will be left alone, waiting and searching for him to make your choices for you when he has presented to you a life to be lived. Live your life and live it with him, understanding that he is with you and is providing you everything that you need for your life that he has presented to you. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, this is Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. It says, As his divine power 
has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. You have everything you need, and your maturity in the faith will simply be a matter of your discovery of what you have already received and the application of those things, those truths, those relational qualities that he presents to you, your application of those realities in your daily life. Well, I'm going to close this series of broadcasts on the subject of the will of God at this time. I have hinted at several subjects in the midst of these programs, one of which is, of course, the subject of forgiveness, and I have done a series of broadcasts on the subject of forgiveness, six of them total. The last one, the sixth one, does cover very well the subject of forgiving others as you have been forgiven. I would strongly encourage you at this time to acquire those broadcasts. You can download them for free off of the website that we have on the Internet, or you can contact me and I can get the audio CDs to you. I would also encourage you to get the broadcasts on spiritual warfare. In those broadcasts, I did cover the subject of law and grace very well, and that will give you some further understanding in the subject of law and grace as I have hinted at that subject in these broadcasts describing the reality that you have been set free from the law. But what that really means is very difficult to describe in the context of these programs, and so I would like to refer you to those programs that I have done, and those are also available for free on the Internet to download Please do take the time to listen to those, and then after that, I would strongly encourage you to get the series on the Sermon on the Mount. That series of programs is also a very good follow-up to this subject of the will of God, because there are many questions that people normally have that come from the Sermon on the Mount, or the passages that are found there, because of the things that they have been taught over the years. And so to go over those passages in scriptures in detail with the series that I presented would also be something that I would strongly encourage you to do. You can find these broadcasts on the Internet at our website, which is found at www.livinggodministries.net. That is www.livinggodministries.net. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. That is Living God Ministries at P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. And may the Lord continue to reveal to you the many blessings that you have received as a result of what He has done for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net that can make-